0: Hello and welcome to our devotions on the psalms. After a beautiful 23rd psalm, today we're going to look at a psalm that's just the opposite, a psalm of great pain and great anguish and a very uncomfortable psalm of great hatred and anger as well. It's Psalm 137 and it's one of those psalms that are so full of bitterness. We want to look at it to see how it helps us to remember the hardships and to express the pain that we feel at times, and then to understand what the atonement was all about. Let us pray before we read this psalm. Father, as we begin to understand the pain that many people go through, the anguish, the bitterness that grows within them, Help us, Lord, not to be self-righteous and to judge them. Help us, Lord, to understand the pain that they go through, the cry for justice. Help us to understand, too, what you went through when you sent your Son to face cruelty, to face death. Last, to understand these truths as we read your word. Before we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 137 By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept, when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs, our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth, if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Remember Lord what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Tear it down, they cried, tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This psalm is probably one of the last psalms to be written, certainly long after the reign of King David and was during, perhaps towards the end of the Babylonian exile, and perhaps even as they watched Babylon falling apart. And hope and vengeance rose in their hearts, but it's necessary first for us not to give way to our discomfort, but to understand how much the displaced people in Israel suffered. People of Israel and Judah had been taken. Oh sorry, people of Judah had been taken into exile in Babylon, and not only were they placed in exile, they were treated very badly were taken away from their homes and then they were mocked the captors said to them sing us those songs of joy sing us the songs of zion it wasn't because they wanted to hear the culture or the songs of the Jew, jews rather they were saying what were what were those silly songs you're singing about mighty god and Jew, and jerusalem as the as on the mountaintop? what was this about you saying how powerful Jerusalem is, or how powerful your God is? Oh yeah, please sing them, sing them. You want to laugh. Because here you are, displaced people, helpless, without hope. Here you are without your city of Jerusalem anymore, without your God or the city of God. You are just in ashes. And so when they said, sing us the songs of Zion, they were mocking and taunting the Jews. How low you have fallen. And how could the Jews sing the songs of Zion when they had been displaced from Zion? And so they, but there is a sense of defiance as well. Because in verse 5, the song goes, the psalm goes, If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill, may my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. What's this song saying? This song is saying that, well, first of all, there is no meaning in life anymore if I were to forget Jerusalem. But in another sense, it's also saying that even if everything bad happens to me, there is no way I will forget Jerusalem. I will always remember Jerusalem because there is hope. There is a sense of hope and defiance even as the Jews sing. The song, If I Forget Jerusalem, may my hands no longer have its skill. There is a small sense of hope. But there is also a cry for justice, a bitterness. When the psalmist then says, Remember, Lord, what the Edomites, what the enemies did on the day that Jerusalem fell. They cried out, tear it down, tear it to its foundations. May these nations, Edom and Babylon, be doomed to just destruction. Happy are those who see that you get your just deserts, that you receive exactly what you have done against us. And then the last verse says, Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. It makes us very uncomfortable because it's like we hate this kind of violence. Why innocent children? And yet when it's said this way, it is not meant that innocent children will be killed, although that is the consequence of it. But the curse here is to say, may your descendants forever be cut off. May you have no more descendants. When they say may you have no more descendants, it also means may you have no future. May you have no posterity. May your destiny end. So it's not about being cruel to kids, although that's the consequence of it. It will be cruel to kids. But what is meant is that may this nation disappear from the face of the earth, may there be no more Babylon. So what do we think of it? Well, first of all, it makes us uncomfortable because we say, well, this one is a Christian psalm, and how can we talk about vengeance in such a way? Aren't we supposed to forgive? Before we even talk about forgiveness, it is important for us to understand the pain of those who have suffered. Because those of us who stand blithely in the distance and enjoy our lives in relative peace have absolutely no right to judge another for calling out justice or for wanting vengeance. It's very, it's very necessary for us to understand this, and later as we talk about the atonement, we will understand it more fully, that one of the biggest sins of Christians in prosperous countries, in first world countries, is we look at the wars and we say, oh man, they should not be wrecking. They should not be taking revenge. They should not be take, thinking of revenge. They should be forgiving. But you know, those of us who enjoy a good life have no right to judge those who have suffered. Likewise, even in marriage, as we see husband and wife slinging mud at each other, we could pray for them, we could ask, tell them, well, there are ways of peace. But none of us should ever say to another, please forgive the other. We have no right. Do remember this. It is the same when we talk to someone who has been hurt. You know, so often we add another layer of hurt to a victim. When we say to that person, yeah, but the Bible tells you forgive, the person has already been a victim, say a rape victim, and is traumatized. And then along comes the Christian who says, well actually, you know the Bible tells you you've got to forgive? Now that's a second layer of hurt and damage that you take on another. And none of us who have never experienced such pain have a right to say that to another. Do remember this, because whenever we say something like this to a victim, we victimise the victim a second time. And therefore the Jews had every right to wish to long for justice against the Babylonians. The Babylonians had tempted to wipe the nation of, of Judah from the face of the earth and to take them into the exile and to taunt them. They had every right to cry out for justice for the same treatment to be meted out to the ones who had caused so much hurt. But let us look at some of the hurts that they went through. These were displaced people. They had lost their homes. They had lost their land. In many senses, they had lost all hope because when you are a fugitive, when you are an exile in different land, it's hard to build, rebuild your life. You are in no one's land you are no you have no country to be in there are today 82.4 million people who have been forcibly displaced from their lands these are not people who voluntarily left their homes but they were forced by wars by tyrants by other countries that were evil that have displaced them 82.4 million that's twice as much as the number of displaced persons a decade ago. We need to take time to think about them and to pray for them too. That large population, you know that's 82.54 million, that's like 16 times the population of Singapore. People who have been taken away from the homes that they love, from the homes that they felt they belonged to, and left as exiles and refugees living in conditions that are temporary and less than ideal, to say the least. We need to take time to pray for them, to allow some of the pain to enter our hearts. Because it's a sense of hopelessness, it's a sense that their God has abandoned them, whether Christian or Muslim or Buddhist or whatever religion theirs is. It's a sense that God, the foundation, has abandoned them. We should, we ought to spend time to think of them, and perhaps even to think of how we can minister to them. But then, even within their hearts, there is a glimmer of hope. There's a glimmer of hope and defiance that they will not forget that there is, there can be a restoration, can be help. Christians are called to be that hope as well, to help those who are broken, those who are displaced. And wherever possible, wherever the Lord leads us to find ways of helping them. I recently attended, well, it wasn't that recently, a couple of years ago, I attended a seminar on displaced people. I learned that there are refugees in Malaysia even, refugees who live in camps, can be ministered to and I was very touched when I read about Christians. There was one young lady in her early 20s who started a work giving tuition and then started a movement reaching out to refugees in Malaysia. Perhaps, where there is an opportunity, we too could participate in something like this and experience and share the pain and the trouble of those who have been displaced. And then we come to the sense of justice. Let's feel for them first, because when our our whole lives have been shaken by those who are unjust, just thinking of various countries that have been oppressive, that have made exiles of people on that land, shouldn't that make your blood boil too? Shouldn't that cause you to call out for justice? Shouldn't that cause us to say, God, kill these people. God, wipe them out of the face of the earth. Let justice be done. Do not let these evil men continue with their lives. Even a cry to God is legitimate because it is a cry for justice. But then we will look now at what the atonement did. Did you realize too that Jesus was an exile and a fugitive from very young age, almost infancy, he was running from his parents and he were running from Herod, and they went to live in Egypt. And then later on, they wanted to go back, but they realized that going back to um, Nazareth was dangerous, therefore they went to Galilee instead. And so, Jesus lived as a displaced person. Jesus was also mocked, mocked very badly by his oppressors where they said, where is your God? If you are God, you could have called, prayed to your father and he would have sent legions of angels to set you free. They mocked him and they said, prophesy to us. It was as though Jesus at that moment was totally helpless, that God had abandoned him. But in Jesus' heart of hearts, he would have gone through, he went through all of this, holding on to the hope and the faith that God was sovereign. Even as God allowed him to go through the pain of taunting, the pain of life, he believed that God had an ultimate plan. And it was because of that that he could say, he would say, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Perhaps it's only Jesus then who has the right to forgive because He did not stand afar. He did not stand far away from those who suffered and say, well, you guys should forgive. We are kids. We are family after all. But Jesus went through the pain that many who suffer experienced. and Jesus therefore was able to say, I will forgive. But even as Jesus calls us to forgive, He doesn't just make that a rule and say, well, you know, you guys had better forgive. The way that Jesus brings forgiveness is that He comes to us to heal the wounds. And that is why it is necessary for us not to tell another person, you must forgive. Because when Jesus calls another to forgive, He heals the wounds. He comes alongside the person and says, I have journeyed with you all this time. I know the pain that you feel, and I can help you to forgive, that you may be set free. And so, this psalm is an important psalm for us, first to understand the pain of many around us. Whether it's a pain of being displaced from the country, or pain of those who have been abandoned by their husbands. Single mothers go through that pain too, when their husbands leave them and they suddenly discover that they They have no one to support them. That too is a sense of abandonment, a sense of displacement. And even as they turn to God for help, let us also be the hope for them. But at the same time, let us not be too quick to tell them, forgive. Let us journey with them, allow Jesus to heal their hearts and only allow Jesus to tell them to forgive. Shall we pray? Father we thank you that for most of us we have been free from suffering that the Jews or many displaced people have had and we are grateful. But help us Lord in our gratitude in our peaceful lives to not forget those who suffer deeply because they have been displaced. Even those in our midst who have been displaced because they Families have thrown them out because those who are supposed to protect them have abandoned them or have hurt them. Help us, Lord, to remember those as well and to journey alongside them, not just to throw charity at them, but to feel their pain and to weep with those who weep that so we may share their trouble. But at the same time, Lord, help us to bring your presence into their lives. Help us, Lord, as your children, to be able to reach out in prayer and in ministry, that Jesus, you may heal their wounds and in that process, bring them to see that you journeyed with them and you were with them in the time of pain and you shared their pain and that therefore where you in all your pain and suffering could say, Father, forgive, that they too may be able to do the same. But Father, we ask then, let us be, help us to be a community that feels along with those who suffer, and therefore be able to be peacemakers at the same time. We ask this in the name of our precious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who suffers with us, who knows and feels that which we go through. Amen. Well, do have a wonderful week ahead and God bless you. Goodbye.